0: I'm Luke Simmons and
1: I am Seth Trout and we are here to critique the hell out of culture.
0: Hey there, welcome back to the King and Culture podcast. I'm Luke. I'm here with Seth. Seth, how are you today? I'm good enough. Good enough for a podcast. Good enough. There you go. So uh, man, I'm excited to talk about this today. You were recently invited to one of our sister congregations, Redemption Tempe. They do a thing called First Wednesday, where they talk about different cultural issues and basically do like a King Culture Live type thing, or I don't know exactly what they do. But you were invited to give a talk or a lecture really more, I guess, about masculinity. So we're going to have a conversation about masculinity. And uh, my hope is that some of the things you shared there you can share with us and we can interact over it a little bit. So
1: Yeah, the initial prompt wasn't even necessarily masculinity. It was, hey, there's this guy named Andrew Tate, and he's terrible. Okay, and he's having too much influence over the hearts and minds of the young men in our city, and our congregation. Can you come and give an "Andrew Tate sucks"
0: mm, uh, okay. lecture? Was that the title of
1: your talk? That was the initial title. Andrew Tate sucks. Okay. And I said, "Is they want me to title that? Because it'd be very clear where I'm going. You yeah, know, and there'd be no surprises." Uh huh. And they said, "Sure, that's fine." And so, why do you think they asked you? You know, I don't know. I didn't ask him that. I just said, "Sounds good. I like teaching." And yeah. figure it out.
0: So for folks who, like, this is the first time they've ever heard the name Andrew Tate, can you give, like, a 30-second snapshot?
1: Yeah, if you've ever thought about what toxic masculinity is, whether you're super on board with the term or feel like it's a huge problem, he's, like, the tip of the iceberg, pinnacle of that. Unabashed womanizer. uh, Sex, money, power. He refers to women as property. Uh, He... Feels like he says things like, it's okay for men to cheer on their partners, but not for women because that's gross. Hmm. Uh, he's all about getting money money means necessary. He
0: so uh, kind of unapologetic male chauvinism,
1: yeah, yeah, unapologetic, chauvinist, misogynist, yeah, patriarchal, whatever the term you want to throw at it. And he's for are there are a couple of days there where he was like the most googled person because he got arrested related to like trafficking crimes where he was okay. Um, you know, he's basically acting as a pimp uh, for these women on the internet.
0: Yeah. And so the pastors over there were saying, Hey, there are actually people in our church being influenced by this guy.
1: Yeah. And if you YouTube him, uh-huh. probably there'll be a handful of like one minute clips that come up that it's like, don't be a loser. Stop playing video games, invest in yourself, go mm-hmm. to the gym, uh, take yourself seriously. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you, you want to accrue capital and start businesses and do bold things. And, and, so the first like wave of it for someone who especially is a young man who hasn't been given guidance or counsel or direction, yeah. they're going to listen to that and go "Yeah, I should stop smoking weed in my parents' basement playing video games and I should go to school and start a business and invest in real relationships." And and so that you probably your first brush interaction with him, you're going to think this guy's fine. Why do people hate him? Yeah. But then if you watch any longer form interview, he speaks of women in an absolutely demonic ways and he uh, definitely idolizes and signals support for money in, in a way that's hugely problematic in Christian.
0: And so what And I he said, doesn't claim to be a Christian.
1: No, he's actually Muslim. He's okay. recently converted. I'm not even sure what that totally means. Yeah. Uh, he was possibly Greek Orthodox in upbringing. Okay. But then he converted to Islam, and I don't really know the details about that. But anyway, the point being was, I told the, the folks who asked me at Redemption Tent b hey, everybody knows— that this guy sucks. I don't really <laughs> want to do a talk called "Yeah, why he sucks. I'd rather yeah. say, Hey, this guy's an example of what's wrong. Can we, but it, the, the thing too, on this masculinity stuff is anybody basically with a pulse can look at toxic masculinity and say, there it is. Yeah. Chauvinism, dehumanizing the women, uh, overly aggressive sexually, or even like aggressive at all sexually. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, that kind of unhealthy fraternity, uh, Jersey shore club scene thing like any, anybody who like has even been in the same room as a spirit of God is like, I know that's a problem. And so I feel like it takes no courage to say that's a problem and say what mask, what biblical masculinity isn't. That's very easy. Yeah. I think the more challenging thing is to positively articulate what is masculinity. And that's, well,
0: and probably the reason that folks like Andrew Tate or other people like him would have such of a, voice is because there's such a vacuum of other alternative, better definitions and better descriptions and better embodiments and that sort of thing.
1: Well, I think in the absence of a good vision, what you have is you have like the, the secular leftists who say masculinity doesn't exist. Um, Men and women are absolutely interchangeable. There is, there is nothing essential to maleness or femaleness or masculinity or femininity. And that's kind of like the traditional queering of things uh, on the left side of things. Um, but then what you have with the Andrew Tate side is what, what I've seen is like this rise of the non-religious right. Yeah. Kind of who, uh, we've, we did an episode on it called Hooters Conservatives. Right. Like, yeah. They don't really know what they're for, but they know what the liberals are against. And so they're for that. Right. And sure. You know, so yeah. are liberals against womanizing? Well, we're for womanizing. Are liberals against Hooters? We like Hooters. You know, are, right. are liberals against entrepreneurialism? Well, we're going to start businesses. And so it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a positive vision birthed in a negative reaction.
0: Hmm. And uh, and we can, as Christians, I mean, get swept up in it. I mean, you said a moment ago, like, nobody who's been in the room with the Spirit of God would not be able to discern this. But apparently so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the that, reality that is— That
1: was an overstatement. Obviously, God's people are wrong all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, that
0: is kind of the basis, a little bit of what we do in this podcast, is to go, hey, we're critiquing the hell out of culture, and especially the hell that's in us, even as followers yeah. of Jesus, getting— deceived and swept up in the wrong things. And so, yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, we can fall into these traps, but, but man, much better to have a like positive vision for it.
1: Yeah. And that's also where people get dicey. Like I asked a number of pastors and leaders, like what is masculinity? Uh-huh. And everyone's that I talked to was pretty comfortable saying what it isn't. Okay. Like, but tell me what it is. Huh. And that's where you feel like Ugh, I'm going to get canceled or I'm not totally sure. And sure. it feels like even trying to articulate it's a problem. And I think people yeah. are gun shy because of how much toxic masculinity has gotten dumped on. Right. Yeah. And well, even- no,
0: but no regular listener to this podcast is surprised that you Had the courage to step into the breach and try to articulate a positive vision for it. Well, we'll see. I'm so thankful for it. We'll see, and we'll hang on every word and see if we can cancel you very quickly.
1: Yeah what i What I hope is that you would read as negative intentions into this as possible, and then twist my words to make you against
0: me. You don't need to request that. That, That's assumed. (laughs) That's going to happen. Okay. (laughs) No, but for real, man, I, I I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of you for stepping into it and trying to articulate it. And I think there's a huge opportunity for Christians to present a better vision. So, so yeah, let's talk about it.
1: So the first thing I started was I started thinking like, what are the questions that are shaping this? Because the quality of your questions determines the quality of your answers. Mm. I don't know who said that, but it was some philosopher somewhere, you know, and, and that's just true. The questions you bring to a conversation or to an interaction or to a topic really shape that. In many, in many ways, I think the goal of education should be like the development of like of instincts to ask the right questions that as you, experience different levels of preaching or education or academia like you learned. Like when, through my dissertation process, I spent 18 months clarifying the questions I was going to be asking.
0: Golly. And it was torturous. Reason 947. While well, yeah. I never even try.
1: And having <laughs> all these people critique my questions, not my answers. Huh. And so I think that we start here, uh, trying to begin with like the way the biblical story introduces men. Yeah introduces manhood, introduces masculinity and, and go from there. And so uh, trying to come to grips with what are the questions that are going to shape this, uh, was the first part. And so I came away with, uh, four questions that really you have to exist in a pyramid. So you think about foundation, okay. second layer, third layer, and then the top of the pyramid. Okay. And I think that these need to be asked in the right order and answered in the right order. Mm. Otherwise, cause so often even when you think about like our love of things or people, yeah, the question is not should we or shouldn't we love cheeseburgers The question is that shouldn't be like number three on your list that should be like number eighty seven I guess yeah sure like Augustine talks about rightly ordering your loves uh-huh. and I think that maturity is largely a function of having rightly ordered loves so also I'm gonna argue that having rightly ordered questions when you're approaching the masculinity topic mm. is good so so often people start with the question of masculinity, like how is how is masculinity different than femininity? And I think that's the wrong place to start mm, okay. because it's starting too high up the pyramid.
0: So so the base level of the pyramid. Base level of the pyramid. That first question would be what? Uh, the,
1: so the foundation question is how is man different than God?
0: Hmm, okay.
1: And I think that this is like the foundation of biblical anthropology, which is like the question of what does it mean to be human? Our last two episodes were about what does it mean to be human? Uh, this, this whole uh, reality that Man is creature, that God is creator, and that gap is the biggest gap of any of the gaps we're going to talk about here. Okay. That the the most important thing is being able to articulate how a man is different than God is going to be the driving foundation to the question of masculinity. And so what you get here is this idea that God is infinite, man is finite, God is creator, man is created. Um, man is under authority god is authority man mm. is submissive god is the king mm. uh, we are the uh, you know we are the the servant in the kingdom he is the king of the kingdom yeah god's the author of the law we are the followers of the law okay you know, yeah and, and so there's this gigantic position here that we are under authority and we are under god mm. that before man is anything he is created mm. and under yeah. and submissive and, Interesting. And follower. Okay. And so, the, when I think when you really spend meaningful time reflecting on this fact that there is a king and he is not me as a man, mm-hmm. or there is a king and he is not you as a woman looking at a spouse or a possible spouse or a, a child mm-hmm. or things like that, uh, that man is not king, man is not God, um, man is subservient to God, the, the baseline characteristic that you should have here is humility. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, and humility here is a sense of finitude. Hmm. I am limited. I have, I'm, I have a boundary to existence. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not omniscient. Yeah. You shared a quote about this from Zach Eswine in your sermon a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Don't repent of not knowing everything. Repent of trying to know everything. Yeah. Don't repent of not being able to solve everything. Repent of trying to solve everything. Uh, that that kind of direction. Yeah. So humility is not, I'm, I'm not humble because I'm a sinner, because Jesus was human and he was humble, right? So yeah, that's, not yeah, that's a great point. So sure. our humility is not birthed out of our sense of um, moral um, uh, decay or moral fallenness. It's just birthed out of our sense of createdness. Mm, sure. And so um, if you're trying to evaluate whether someone is biblically masculine or not, the first thing you have to ask is, are they humble? Or to what extent are they humble? Hmm. To what extent are they teachable? To what extent are they self-aware of their limitations and the gaps in their perspective?
0: And and in that sense, that would also be a similar quality for femininity. Yeah, and
1: we'll get to that in in a bit. Yeah, and and is just this like reality that created? Yeah, not creator. That the foundation of this whole thing is humility.
0: Okay, so that's the foundation, bottom of the pyramid. Question: The next layer up is what?
1: The next layer up is um, how is man different than animal? Okay, and the reason we go there is because uh, there's the Creator and there's the creation, and so humanity is creation, like a dog is, or like a monkey is, or like a caterpillar is. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, so there, there's a sense of like uh, sameness we have with the rest of creation. Uh, I think it was uh, a guy wrote Orthodoxy. Who is that? Who's that? Dude? Chesterton. Chesterton said, yeah. you know. Um, in contrast to the secularist that says there's, there's our mother, it's not; it's our sister. Okay, you know, it's created like we're created, and so there's a similarity we have. Okay. with the creation, the animal realm, um, and so the, at
0: after, but, but the question is then, how are we different from animals?
1: Yeah, the question is how are we different than animals? And here's the difference: is animals are governed by instinct, and they're governed by uh, desire, and they're governed by reproductive. Um, impulse hmm. that like the entire drive of like passing on the genome to the next generation, the for food, hunger, sleep, shelter, sex, um, animals are by definition, always acting on their instincts and desires. They are self expressive. If you want to use an anthropological term, they um, act on what they want to okay. go for it. Whereas humans are fundamentally moral, Mm. That there's this capacity for self-conquest, for self-restraint, for self-discipline, for uh, self-restraint, uh, this, this uh, acknowledgement that I can be ruled by my greater loves and I can uh, by the spirit or even just with like a sense of my humanity, I can overcome instinct and impulse mm. and desire for this like a greater moral vision. Mm. And so my morality... My And by morality, I don't just mean doing good and bad things, but I mean like being pulled by this vision of the good that is greater. This capacity to delay gratification, this capacity to... Um,
0: and so my my mind is that key distinction comes to we're made in the image of God. A dog is not. A yeah. porcupine is not. A caterpillar is not.
1: Yeah. So the key characteristic here is going to be discipline. Okay. Uh, this ability to curtail instincts and impulses. Hmm in favor of a vision for the greater good. Hmm. And so if the foundation is humility, the second layer up is discipline, okay. self-restraint. Another way, like my favorite way of talking about this is self-conquest, hmm. this um, this ability to conquer yourself, to go um, rather than express myself or just let myself go. I am in favor, like this is like the, the ethics, you know, ethics is like competing visions for the good. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on my vision for the good, my moral vision for the good, I am uh, curtailing my shorter-term thought processes and instincts and desires in favor of a greater vision for how to be human, a greater vision for Mm -hmm. how to live in the world.
0: So anytime we're thinking, oh, I just, I had to do it. I must do this. I I couldn't help myself. Animalistic. We're being more like an animal than like a human being and more like an animal than like a man.
1: Yes, yeah. And so... This, this is pretty different to me than, like, the entire, like, secular narrative, which is, mm. like, find yourself and let it free. Yeah. Going, like...
0: Yeah, like, it would be wrong, actually, to to withhold any sense of, like, what you feel is right or what you feel is you or what you feel is true. Like, man, you got to do it. Like, you, you actually are under requirement morally to let it, let it out.
1: Yeah, romantic thought from Rousseau in the Italian Revolution has like taught us that all of our dysfunction is the result of society impressing on us some form of self-restraint that all sexual deviancy, all all like mental health issues that this would all go away if we would just act on our desires more. Mm. This is like part of like the, like there's like this kind of neo-femininity, neo-masculinity era. And so like if I Google search how to be a man, the first article that comes up is like nine steps to being a beast.
0: <laughs> yeah. How to be an animal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, sure. like, yeah. wow. it's like how
1: to become more animalistic. Right. And is like the type of stuff. Right. And I think that's like uh, part part of the, the mystery here yeah. like of, um, no, the goal here is not to become more like an animal. The goal is to here become less like an animal and more like God. And mm. so layer one, humility, layer two, discipline. Okay. And this is like where I think, again, if you're talking about like Andrew Tate, toxic masculinity, like these two layers already are ruling out the vast majority of that garbage. Yeah, sure. Like this humility, uh, self-evaluation, like this ability to not just be governed by. Well,
0: there the would be. Music. I don't know, though. I mean, the second part, like I would imagine that Andrew Tate's a big part of it. I mean, I haven't really listened to much of him other than the little short clips you kind of talked about. but. Uh, I think that initial appeal does relate to the kind of self-conquest. Well, you know, kind of a Jordan Peterson, make your bed, you know, get up, get moving, like assert yourself.
1: They will argue for discipline for the purposes of economic advancement. Okay. And they'll argue for self-discipline in the arena of um, vocation, occupation, and economics and career.
0: There is no argument. So it's useful. It's not necessarily good
1: it's an instrument and yeah. it's certainly not in the sexual realm yeah like there's not really like a argument for if you want to have sex with lots of women maybe don't it's yeah. like well you're a man so yeah if the women you're around don't like that then get different women that's yeah. like the thrust there yeah and so it's discipline as an instrument okay. or it's discipline selectively because okay. i think the christian witness is calling us to be uh to presume that all of our desires, instincts, and impulses will require some substantial level of discipline in
0: order to be worked out and yeah.
1: processed through.
0: Okay. So, so we're moving up the pyramid. Up the pyramid, level
1: three. Um, how is man different than a boy? Hmm. Okay. So now we're talking about adulthood. And this and is. And here
0: we're not talking about man, like humanity we're just talking specifically about a man yeah how's a man different an than adult male
1: so you could talk about how how is a man different than a child um but i'm mostly thinking about how is an adult male different than a, a than a boy than a boy and the big thing here obviously like i have a boy in my house mm-hmm. right and he wants to eat sugar cereal um every morning mm-hmm. and he wants to run around and he can't take care of his sister and so he still must i must be responsible for him uh and as he ages, he'll eventually be able to take responsibility for himself. And as he ages beyond that, he ought to be able to take responsibility for other people. Yeah. And so the key characteristic here on adulthood versus childhood, or manhood versus boyhood, is going to be responsibility. Mm, yeah. And this is, I think, what's mostly in view. in like in First Corinthians thirteen, Paul says, "Like when I was a boy, act like a boy." When became a man, I put away childish things. And elsewhere, he says, "Like act like men." Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think in that. Verse, he's talking about act like men (parentheses not like women). Yeah, he's saying act like men (parentheses not like boys). Mm, like yeah. you're you're not taking responsibility for leading this church. You're not uh, having high regard for yourself or other people. You're tossed about by your childish kind of impulses, right? And there's this like uh, inability to take responsibility. Even the qualifications for an elder, one of the things you see is like if a man can't. Uh, care for his household, how can he lead or manage the household of God? Yeah. Like, which is that management, in other word for responsibility. This need to be responsible for yourself and be responsible for other people and to take care of yourself and take care of other people. Um, this is also rooted in Philippians 2, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, uh, to consider others more significant than yourselves, mm-hmm. to be secure enough in yourself that I've so taken care of myself that I'm able to consider other people Significantly, yeah. I'm not just self willed or self preoccupied. Uh, the, the other metaphor I thought about, like just in terms of like, feeding yourself, you know, a baby must be fed. Sure. Like can't even put it in its mouth. Yeah. You know, a toddler can put stuff in its mouth, but it can't decide what goes on that's eat. It would tray. like to decide. But, yeah. yeah. But,
0: but not a good idea.
1: You regularly have to knock stuff out of its mouth, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, sure. The main thing I say to my daughter, Olivia, at this point is like, no mouth. You know, we go to the park <laughs> and it's, I'm pulling rocks out of her mouth. You know? So. Um, but at some point a child should be able to go to the pantry and pick for themselves what they want out of the pantry. Mm-hmm. And at some point as a child goes older, it should be able to go to the grocery store and pick mm-hmm. what it wants from the grocery store. Yeah. Based on like having a sense of responsibility, not just immediate. uh yeah. Well, I want the pop tarts. Okay. I don't know. What, and so the, when you think about like the capacity to think of what you should be feeding yourself, what should go in, mm-hmm. into you, into your body, like that food metaphor extends like the broader metaphor. Like yeah. now then it becomes about consumption of content, you know, like mm-hmm. I think Jay still would choose to watch TV all day long, <laughs> you know, and, and I think this is part of like the Andrew Tate stuff he's getting at is like, quit watching TV all day long and go, go yeah. make something of yourself. He's telling people stop acting like a boy, start acting like a man. And that's why I think in particular boys ages 12 to 20 are so infatuated with them because they're in that phase of trying to stop being like a boy and start being like a man. Mm, sure. And the stuff that he has to say about that is not too bad, except for like his, also like his <laughs> men conquest sure. women, you right. know, boys don't. So, so there's probably a mag there. So if I want to, I want to pause there now before you get to that fourth question. Okay. And just acknowledge the fact that all three of these questions uh, and all these characteristics of humility, discipline and responsibility are fundamentally human.
0: Yeah. That, that's what I've been thinking. I've been going like, well, this doesn't feel particularly masculine. This just feels human.
1: Yeah, and I think that's how it is biblically. The mm. first thing that you see when Adam sees Eve is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Sameness. Huh. Yeah. And the he's like, you are not like everything else mm. in this entire place. You are like me.
0: Well, yeah, right. I mean, even the whole naming exercise God takes him through is trying to find a helper bit where the Hebrew idea is corresponding to matching Mm -hmm. and he's looking at all these things naming them and going not like me not like me not like me and then God creates Eve and he's like oh like me
1: yeah the entire thrust of the creation narrative yeah is about male and female similarity Hmm. Uh, sameness you are like me you're not like God just like I'm not like God and you're not like these other creatures you're like me yeah, Like we're on this, we're, we're the, we're human. Uh, they will subdue and have dominion together over the, like There's shared responsibility. They are co-laborers. Um, there's that um, sameness there. That's as a highlight of the connection. <clears throat> and so I think that when you try to approach masculinity from a biblical view, the first three layers ought to be this affirmation of sameness or at least Maybe same as over so extreme similarity.
0: Yeah, shared humanity. Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, that. In order to have the conversation about masculinity, you first have to have a conversation about humanity. Yeah.
0: And if you begin
1: with the "how is a man different than a woman" question, you're gonna get all your emphases out of whack. And mm, you're gonna. Yeah. So, like, now we're talking
0: about. And and it's interesting to me. You're at no point here indicating anything related to like interchangeable. Yeah. You're just saying, no. There's. There's more similarity than difference.
1: Yeah. Even if I was going to like just anatomically put on a list, the the parts on a man and the parts on a woman, you go eyebrows, <laughs> eyeballs, nose, mouth, tongue, ears, brain, jaw, out, like yeah. the list of what well, you're similar <laughs> is a lot longer than lists that is different. Sure. Yeah. And, and so just in terms of like numbering and ranking these things. Yeah. And so, uh, this in what I hope is this perspective will be, at least what I've said so far, will be uh, necessarily or helpfully corrective to the problematic conservative stuff here.
0: Yeah, the kind of non-religious right, let's overemphasize the differences because the left is underemphasizing them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and just acknowledging yeah. that this is not a purely conservative vision in that we're gonna like and the goal here is not to be conservative or progressive. It's to be biblical. Right, so, sure. So I just like there, I hope that people are listening to this who like want to make masculinity and femininity, everything or male, female difference, everything. It's like, there is difference, but the overwhelming witness is sameness here. Mm. And so we get that. And then that gets us to the the fourth layer. How is man different than woman? And this is where, you know, I get semi anxious just because like, this is where people are going to get all bent out of shape about stuff. Um, but the first question I have to ask is like, well, what's, how is a man different than a woman? And like, that's a biological answer, mm-hmm. you know, XXXY. Yep. Um, Which is preeminently the product of um, genes, which then leads to testosterone dump, which leads to the development of testes in the womb. Hmm. And so the biggest difference between man and woman is testicles, which produce testosterone and are produced by testosterone. And so, being able to then talk to so the average man has about 20x 16 to 20x the amount of testosterone as the average woman. Okay. Uh there's you know uh, there's so this is so even acknowledging this is now we're talking about differences in degree not differences in kind, right? Tes- sure. Testicles no testicles is difference of kind. Uh-huh. But even like the effect of those beyond biology in terms of like how social expression of the, like the way that hormones function in testosterone is you have Um, These overlapping uh, bell curves, right? Like they're called Gaussian distribution, a bell curve, that there's some overlap. It's similar to like male-female height, right? It is generally true that men are taller than women, um, and it's generally true that women are shorter than men, but there's a lot of overlap on those two bell curves. Sure, yeah. And it's probably wrong to describe tall as masculine and short as feminine. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh but probably wrong. I mean, I think certainly wrong, you know, but we're all also talking about generalities here. Yeah. And so there's differences of degree, not of kind. However, like the differences of degree here, um, it's even like, he's different. Like as you age, you know, testosterone goes down. But when I'm talking about the core difference between men and women.
0: Yeah. But you wouldn't have, I mean, unless, unless there was a real like problem that a man was having, women wouldn't have more testosterone than him. Yes, I mean that like, yeah. this wouldn't happen, right? There's lots of men who would go like, "Oh yeah," lots of women are shorter than me, but like that just wouldn't be a thing, as it relates to testosterone. Again, unless there was like a problem,
1: yeah, it becomes a medical issue, yeah. like in sure. it's clinical. Yeah, uh, but even like after the age of like 40 or 45, men's testosterone begins to drop by about five percent every year, um, and I don't think that's because men get more feminine as they age. You know, but I think it's just yeah, how it happens, of, part of.
0: Um, aging and fallen world, things like that. It's so that sports talk radio has advertisers. Yeah, yeah. Are you suffering from low T? Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to argue here that the and even if we talk about like what testosterone does, mm-hmm. I think this is getting at what Paul gets at, or not Paul, what Paul gets at in First Peter, but Peter gets at in First Peter when he talks about um, giving honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Mm. I think he's literally talking about physically weaker. Okay. that there is a power and a presence of physical strength that testosterone creates in general that men means that women in general are weaker than men in general and that um, that's generally true and that's absolutely true in that men have the capacity to get a lot stronger than women have the capacity to get so sure at the end of the spectrum it it becomes the gap becomes even bigger and bigger
0: hmm and Meaning, so, like the strongest men compared to the strongest women, there's still a really yeah, the, substantial the gap,
1: gap. The gap between the strength of an average man, and the gap between the strength of an average woman, is smaller than the gap between the strongest man and the strongest woman. Okay. Yeah. Like so, at, it, as you get towards the end of the spectrum, the the difference is exaggerated, not um, unexaggerated. Yeah. Especially if you're considering um, like professional lifters and those types of things. So, sure. Um, and so, I think physical strength is a big part of that um, a a central aspect of that in the biblical witness. Um, but also when you talk about like the negative aspects of testosterone, you're going to talk about like mass shooters, Mm. over aggressiveness, um, abuse, um, rape, sexual assault, that there's like this aggression that like this imposition of the self, uh, violence, uh, and so that's what testosterone does. Mm-hmm. Like in you hear about a mass shooter on the news, you don't ask male or female. Yeah, sure. Cause it's like 99%, you know? Sure. Um, also, so this is like on that side of things, you talk about like Hitler and stopping Hitler, aggressive acts. You know, <laughs> like, sure. Uh, what the allies did to stop Hitler, what Hitler did. So like this this masculine aggression testosterone thing is responsible for like some of the best and the worst yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit like what C.S. Lewis talked about on talking about like responsibility and morality that the more capacity for good something has, it has to have a corresponding and equal and opposite capacity for evil. Hmm. You know, like a worm versus a dog versus a human. Yeah, I think it's the same with testosterone and aggression that tremendous capacity for good, tremendous capacity for. Um, and even, you know, my wife's a cheerleader, right? And I remember like at my basketball games, cheerleaders cheering, like be aggressive, be be (laughs) aggressive. And so while the word aggressive might be pejorative or generally negative in common usage, we all have a category for like appropriate and healthy aggression. Mm -hmm, Sure. And I think, so here's the question you have to ask is God designed testosterone to do something on purpose. So this, this capacity for strength, aggression, initiation, uh, was put there like it's not just a natural law phenomenon it it like is designed by god to be something uh and even like the hormonal cycle of testosterone resets on a regular basis so it's like ideally meant to be this kind of quick reset um even rage cycle uh so so i do think the key characteristic here that separates um men in general from women in general is aggression Hmm. and so that my goal in this talk was I wanted to redeem aggression. Okay. And I wanted to call it holy aggression. Mm. And what I think the biggest argument here is that, um, aggression is fundamentally good. If you think about these like neo-Calvinist terms of structure and direction, uh, the structure of aggression is good. And if you think about things that are aggressive are things like evangelism, Mm. asking someone on a date, starting a company, planting a church, uh, leaning into a hard conversation, uh, um, going to war to end injustice. Like these things are ingre- aggressive Yep. and at their core um, they are good, but they can, and because they're designed by God, but they can be misdirected or positively directed. So structurally good, directionally questionable. Yeah. It can be directed well, or can be directed poorly. And so just because something is improperly used, the right, the antidote to improper use is not non-use. It's proper use.
0: Yeah, Sure. Right. Yeah. And, that makes sense. Uh,
1: so, sometimes people beat people to death with hammers. The answer is not get rid of the hammers. It's um, use the hammer to hammer nails and nothing else, you know? know, So it's proper use, not non-use. And here's the other thing is I think that the absence of aggression is a form of toxic masculinity that people don't talk about.
0: Hmm. So most of the time we're talking- So being overly passive is a different kind of toxic masculinity. You
1: have passivity or you have passive aggression. Hmm and the number of people especially in my season of life who are like becoming parents who are trying to work through how do I be a dad to my kids the wounds that people have from fathers who abdicated or abandoned or were passive mm. or who were silent are as Stunning. as yeah, painful sure. as painful or more painful than those fathers that were aggressive or violent Hmm. because, like, the physical violence or over-aggressiveness, you can, like, point to it and name it and call it wrong easier than my dad was in the home, but he just didn't talk to me. Or my dad chose work over me. Or uh, my dad didn't lean in to talk to me about sex and money. Or my dad didn't, like, the things that my dad didn't do, Hmm. like, those wounds are just as bad. And so I'm going to argue that toxic masculinity cuts both ways. Wow. That one form of toxic masculinity is aggression minus... Responsibility, discipline, or humility. Okay. So, like the Andrew Tates, I would say, aggression minus discipline and humility, and like, like that's mm-hmm. what it is. Sure. Like, it's it's unrestrained, it's self-expression, it's lack of humility, it's irresponsibility, it's just aggression. Mm-hmm. I could call that young man syndrome.
0: <laughs> sure. Right. Yep. Shooting from the
1: hip, ready, fire, aim. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fool it's folly it's exactly what the book of Proverbs is talking about basically all the time is look out because you're going to think you're doing the right thing and you're actually stupid. Like that's uh, various forms of toxic masculinity are aggression minus the three layers of the foundation of the pyramid. The other toxic masculinity, the other type of poison, just like you would have like a vitamin deficiency or a protein deficiency or uh, some type of deficiency in your system that needs supplementation is humility, discipline, responsibility without any aggression, without mm-hmm. any capacity to initiate to have the hard conversations, to lean in, to be passive or passive-aggressive, to abdicate, to avoid, uh, to not do the courageous thing, to not start the company, to not plant the church, to not do the evangelism, to not uh, share the gospel, to not um, advocate for a promotion for yourself, to not ask out the woman who might be your wife, to not, to not, to not, to not. And so uh, I think when you see these as a pyramid with aggression as the top, what you get is a holy aggression. Um, or a blessed aggression, Mm -hmm. Uh, aggression that is congruent with God's vision for humanity and his mission in the world. And so humility, discipline, responsibility, and aggression, I think that um, rather than just kind of critiquing Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity, I think what you need is like an antidote Mm -hmm. or an anti-toxic masculinity, which is holy aggression, rather than um, saying masculinity is nothing, I think you need to cast a positive vision for it. So that's, so, that's so, the framework.
0: So I, man, I I love that in so many ways. It's so interesting, and uh, yeah, it, it's very intriguing. I think what's coming to mind for me is, um, I could imagine someone listening to this going, "Well, Seth, freaking easy for you to say that aggression is because look at you. I mean, you have tattoos and you work out and you're like a go getter and buzzed head. Yeah, like of course, like that's going to be the key thing of masculinity." But I can think of some guys who, like, humble, disciplined, responsible, but just by disposition are, you know, I don't need to be heard. I don't need to go first. Uh, I don't need to be the most, the loudest voice in the room. I'm just kind of more subdued. Um, and And I could hear them feeling like, gosh, are you saying that I'm, like, less of a man because I'm just more, I don't know naturally subdued and i'm not that aggressive like is that what you're saying
1: no i think if the biblical category of meekness mm. needs to also be part of the definition of holy aggression
0: okay right that'd be the holy part of yes. the aggression <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. or even like the if you're on flinch aggressive all the time then you're probably not humble because you think, I have something to say about this, or mm-hmm. you're leaning in too fast, or you're shooting from the hip, or you're. But this meekness that's like a, a gentleness, a quietness, a resolveness, a slow to speakness, a um, capacity to pick your battles wisely. Mm-hmm. Like if you never pick any battles, that might be just passivity. Mm-hmm. But if you have this like reservedness that you're going, I really have this wisdom in picking my battles, I think that's great. Um, I do think that, uh, there are a lot of guys that I know that pick their battles really well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys that I know that in the name of picking their battles really well, pick no battles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a misstep. Yeah. I think that I
0: just, it's interesting because the other ones don't seem like a personality type. Yes. You know, but aggression, Oh, that person's aggressive. That's just kind of what they're like, you know? That doesn't feel like a – that feels more like a personality type, or it could be, than, like, a trait cultivated. But I think you're saying, like, it's it's actually both. It's the holiness brings the intentionality to it.
1: Yeah, I think that aggression is a personality type. I think holy aggression is a developed character. Mm, yeah. It takes time. And I think that, you know, in like, in Enneagram terms, you know, the Enneagram eights of the world are just aggressive by personality type. And I mm-hmm. think that that's um, – I don't want to just baptize someone's personality and call it holy or biblical, but who actually like the, the men who actually see aggression as like this, the the sliver on top of Mm -hmm. the pyramid. Yeah. And that go like, I will lean in and do the hard thing when I Mm -hmm. am called to by the spirit of God. And I will do that.
0: Yeah. So we're not saying like the, the, what makes man, you know, distinct from woman is aggression and that, also therefore equals big truck, you know, crossbow hunting, you know, lifting heavy weight, drinking a lot of beer, all these sort of stereotypical male masculine things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I drive a hybrid, so. (laughs) No, I I do think that you have to ask the question, God put about 20x the testosterone in the average man than the average woman on by design. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a strength and aggression thing. It's there on purpose. It's there for a reason. It's there and it requires something and it means something. And it's generally true. This is like, and this is, I put this in the category of wisdom, which even you read Proverbs, you're not talking about universal truths. You're talking about general truths. Mm -hmm. And so
0: what's interesting though, because I also think like there's plenty of people who seem aggressive, but relationally they're checked out. They're passive. I mean, they have all the trappings of aggression without like the holy aggression.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, there's a, a buddy of mine, an acquaintance, I'd say. Not really buddy. And he had this shirt that said, like, F Joe Biden on it. Like, signaling aggression. Big, tough guy. You know? mm. Said, hey, man, tell me about your shirt. And he's like, uh, 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 mm. uh. <laughs> you know, and he's he's signaling aggression without the capacity to, like, have a hard conversation. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what the non-religious right stuff is. Is it's like, because I internally am afraid and limp and nervous, I'm going to project this image mm. of hyper or over-aggression yeah. to compensate mm. for my own internal like insecurity. Mm. Like some of the most like appropriately aggressive people I know are very slow to speak and quiet. And when they speak, everyone in the room goes like,
0: Ooh, yeah, they're listening.
1: Yeah. And, and people would probably never describe those people as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I want to redeem the use of aggression to include mm. that type of yeah. disposition. This is generally true, not universally true. And I think that if you find yourself signaling like a hyper or an over-aggressiveness, uh, I think it's worth asking, am I doing this to compensate for my inability to be aggressive with myself, mm-hmm. my own self-conquest, my lack of discipline, my lack of humility? Uh, my insecurity. Am I just compensating for that? And and I, or if I'm finding myself like rolling my eyes at everybody at the pickup truck because that's toxic masculinity. Am I maybe de-emphasizing something that God made unique about me in contrast with women? Which mm-hmm. is so. So I think there's the the way this looks. You know, there's what three and a half billion people, <laughs> three and a half billion men on Earth. Yeah. So this is going to look three and a half billion different ways. And my nervousness isn't even talking about masculinity and femininity is like every person is different, and the way this plays out in every person is different. Um, But I want us to deal honestly with like biological reality, Mm -hmm. that there's something here that God did that is strength and aggression oriented and testosterone deal that's there on purpose. And I don't want men to feel ashamed of that, but I want them to feel the responsibility to direct that under godly purposes, Hmm. not just suppress it, um, but to get a little bit riled up and to go hard after something, hmm. and to yeah. pursue the right things, and to take seriously uh, your need to begin with humility, discipline yourself, take responsibility, and then run hard after something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, I just think, like, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, you have a son, and I go, so do I. You know, and I feel like my main, one of my main roles in life is to raise a man, right? Is to help him become a man. And I just think these categories just these four categories is like, okay, here's my talking points for the next 15 years, you know, is, you know, humility, discipline, responsibility, aggression, holy aggression. It's like, there it is. I'm ready. I mean, I'm not, (laughs) I'm probably gonna need some help along the way, but like, I just, I love that as a framework for myself, for my son. I love it even for my daughters to go, Hey, this is the kind of person you look for. Um, and, uh, man, you've given us a ton to think about. This is great.
1: Yeah, thanks. If you have any questions, I'm still. I'm. This is in development. And yeah, so, sure. Um, I do think that these four key questions and the four key characteristics. Uh, I'm the more I kind of interact with it, the more I see like the general um, reality here, and the more I feel excited about telling young men to aggressively pursue something in their in their life and their goals and their dreams and to uh, run hard after it. And um, I have yet to think deeply about the femininity thing because that wasn't my prompt i was given <laughs> sure you know yeah. someone calls me and asks me to teach on femininity so maybe next time we will do femininity and i'll think about that over the next couple of weeks but i do think that it will be basically the same podcast for the first 30 minutes <laughs> 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 just to be clear yeah. About yeah sure how that will go so
0: yeah man well thanks for this uh, everybody thanks for listening and um yeah we'll i guess finish there so see y'all next time on king and culture